Welcome to Tacoma Arts Live's podcast series, Reflections of Tacoma, where we will examine key events, people, and places in the history of the South Sound and the echoes of their impact both in their own time and how they reach out and affect our region to this day. I'm your host, Jamika Scott. And before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Tacoma Creates, and today's partner, the Buffalo Soldiers Museum, with a special thanks to the Tacoma Library Northwest Room and On Purpose Recording. Tacoma Arts Live and I want to respectfully acknowledge that we gather on the traditional lands of the Puyallup people and pay our respects to elders both past and present. On today's episode, we'll examine the key role of the Buffalo Soldiers in the founding of Fort Lawton, which would become modern-day Joint Base Lewis-McChord, and their impact both for the United States and on a local level, Tacoma. Joining us today is a board member from the Buffalo Soldiers Museum here in Tacoma, Daryl Nash. Let's start with a little background about the 9th and 10th Cavalry Regiments. African Americans have participated and fought in every American war, but the Civil War saw the formal formation of full regiments of Black soldiers beginning in 1863. Then, in 1866, following the conclusion of the conflict, Congress organized the 9th and 10th Cavalry Regiments based in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Their deployment in the West is what popular lore says ultimately led to their nickname as Buffalo Soldiers, a moniker supposedly bestowed upon them by Native Americans. This is a thousand-foot overview of where the divisions came from. Now, let's talk about how they came to the Northwest and how they became so important to our region. Okay. Well, welcome, Daryl. Um, how about we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your connection to the Buffalo Soldiers? Oh, well, with me, it's a, it's quite simple. I'm just an old man, basically. <laughs> no, I uh, uh, grew up in the South. I uh, joined the military. I was in there for 26 years. Um, had a break in there um, when I got out in 20, um, correction, in 1992. I was in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. And I had a 16-year break, and I came back in. The calling was there in 2008, and I did reserve time until February 2019, altogether 26 years. And I did something else nutty. I became a state trooper. <laughs> I did that, and I retired from that as well. That's an old saying, two heads are better than one. Well, two retirement checks is definitely better than one, so I feel <laughs> good about it. And I, I started getting into a black military history. When I was in a high school, I loved history. There was a lot of it out there. I mean, tons of it. And I started getting into um, um, something about the Civil War, about black troops and what they did in the, con- the contributions. But they didn't really go into detail what they did. They just said 186,000 black troops served in the, uh, the Civil War. And, you know, 36 or 38,000 of them died, mostly from diseases. But they didn't go into detail who they were. So when I kept doing this, I started looking into the other black troops, uh, such as the Buffalo Soldiers, and, and this and it was a passion of mine, and I took it from there. And I never looked back, and I took it all the way up to between uh, uh, the Buffalo Soldiers up to the Korean War, did a lot of research on black troops yeah. and uh, black units, and I, I enjoyed it. So I uh, got attached to the Buffalo Soldiers. I'm a lifetime member. I'm a lifetime member of the 24th Infantry Regiment. They were Buffalo Soldiers. So I'm kind of a passion of mine. So you can say a geek or obsession with <laughs> it, but... That's me. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I love to hear that. That sounds great. And thank you for your service. Don, it's all mine. Um, and, and thank you for, you know, doing the work to kind of share this history because it's, you know, it's not a lot of, it's not necessarily a history that everybody knows about. And like you said, it really just was kind of, there were 
a number of, of black troops and, and nobody really knew anything about it. So mm-hmm. thank you for doing the work to put, you know. Oh, it's a lot uh, more left who trust me. Yeah. It's a non-stop operation. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and gathering that history is, is just important, especially um, in times now when we're looking back and we're, we're realizing how important it is to know where we've come from. Yes, ma'am. Uh, to know the mistakes we've made and, and the and the things that got us where we are. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what initially led the cavalry to be stationed here in Washington State? Well, um, it's up to the United States military. It's up to the government. And they'll send you where they want to send you. Just like when I was in the military, the same thing they did. Well, remember, the, the, the West was a vast, vast place. Now, imagine, um, I think, in present day. Every 700 people, that's one police officer for 700 people. Imagine you're a sheriff or a U.S. marshal, and you got a vast area about 20, 50 miles or 100 miles, and you're out there by yourself, so you need some help. So they sent the military out as a compliment to um, help those guys out and to maintain law and order. And trust me, it was it was chaos because if two people get into an argument, they'll pull up a gun and start shooting. And there was a lot of stuff going on. So the military was called in to help assist with that. And uh, the um, the black troops were called in to maintain law and order. And they did a lot of things. Oh, a lot of things. So one of them was maintain law and order. Uh, and that entailed uh, dealing with poaching, you name it, uh, squatters, um, riots. They did all of that. Uh-huh. Um and then, so you, you've you already kind of started talking about what they did when they got here. Um, can you talk about the American Lake Maneuvers and the 1904 Buffalo Soldiers Encampment? Well, yes. Well, uh, this was a very unique operation, the uh, American Lake uh, Maneuvers in 1904. Uh, this was the first time they had Buffalo Soldiers. The 9th Cavalry was a part of this. This was the largest operation. It was a National Guard operation. Uh, operation. That's what it was. So basically, was to train them, get an idea of what they were capable of doing. And this was 1904 at American Lake, and this covered all the way to Camp uh, Present Day Nisqually, and I think to uh, Lakeview, which is I think called a Lakewood now, and a place called Murray, and it expanded out pretty wide in Nisqually, all those places. So um, it was the first time Black troops were being a part of this. It was the Ninth Cavalry, and you had two forces. You had a Blue Force and a Brown Force. The Blue Force was commanded by Colonel uh, Godfrey. He was a Ninth Cavalry commander of the guys in the area. And the other guy was uh, uh, Colonel Noble. He was in charge of the, the Brown Force. And the Ninth Cavalry had troops on the Blue Force and the Brown Force. And what they were doing, there were 4,011 men, 4,011 men, mostly National Guard, mostly were white. Only a small number were b- black troops. They were the Ninth the Ninth Cavalry, which took part in this. And it was a big maneuver. And they were learning different things, how to ambush one another, uh, to give another situation where they can, uh, how fast would it take them to move supplies to one place to another. They did an amphibious operation, you know, water operations, um, you know, all these things, scrimmaging. And it was, um, uh, in the process of doing this, I mean, it was such a big area. I mean, God, I mean, and uh, this was the largest one of its kind on the West Coast at that time, the mm-hmm. largest one of its kind. So the uniqueness behind this Buffalo Soldier were a part of it. So it was a um, American history. We were a part of it. Yeah. And that's you, American Lake. That That's still the American Lake that's out. Absolutely. Wow, okay. Still See, I've been there many times and I did not know that yeah, history. We, oh, yes. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the Calvary's connection to Fort Lawton? 
And first, I guess, talk about what Fort Lawton was. Mm -hmm. And then um, if you could talk about what the Calvary's primary roles there and their legacy. Yes. Uh, Fort uh, Lawton was named after a young man who was killed in the Philippines. Um, Believe it or not, he had commanded some Buffalo soldiers at one time in his career. He had some Buffalo soldiers under his command while he was in the Philippines. So the fort is named after him, uh, Fort Lawton. And... Uh, just to give you some idea, the 9th Cavalry had a small group there for a little while, not much. The 24th had some guys there, 24th Infantry Regiment, uh, these guys here were there. But the main Buffalo Soldiers uh, unit that was there was the uh, 25th Infantry Regiment. And maybe I want to probably elaborate a little bit on that. There were This was mandated. Um, United States military was changing. Uh, after the Civil War, we wanted a professional army. We didn't have one before. We wanted a professional army. So they came to this idea on the 39th Congress, uh, July the 28th, 1866. It was mandated they have a total of 10 cavalry and going to have 45 infantry uh, units. This was a congressional mandate. Now, the interesting thing about it, the cavalry, they had uh, the basic numbers, 1 through 10. 9th and 10th was to be, at that time, called colored troops. They were to be black. The rest was all were white troops. Now, the cavalry at that time was considered elite. If you rode horses, you were uh, back in the olden days, you, it was a sign that you had money and status and wealth. So if you rode horses, it was saying that, you know, it was considered elite because horses can cover a lot of turf. As you know, they can outrun a man. Yes. <laughs> you know, one. So with that, uh, which basically means one out of every five cavalry troops in the Old West was black, which means 20% of the, of the cavalry was black, and they were considered elite. Well, back to the infantry, we had up 45 of them. And we had uh, four black units, 38th, 39th, 40th, and 41st. And they were, you know, they weren't Buffalo soldiers. You could say they were, but, you know, they were part of it. Due to the fact the military started scratching their head and said, you know something, we're a little bit too big. We got to shrink down a little bit. So where can we cut off the extra meat? So they said, we weren't going to touch the cavalry because they were considered elite. So let's go out to the infantry. So they went from 45 to 25. And to make sure they still kept black troops, the 38th and the 41st combined and made the 24th Infantry Regiment, and the 39th and 40th combined and made the 25th Infantry Regiment. And the Buffalo Soldiers were the first ones. The 10th Cavalry was formed at uh, Fort uh, Leavenworth, uh, Kansas. And the 9th Cavalry was formed at uh, uh, Greenville, Louisiana, in New Orleans area, Greenville. You go there, we got a mark on the ground for them. The 25th Infantry Regiment was formed at Jackson Barracks in New Orleans. And the 24th was formed at uh, uh, Fort McCavick in Texas. Uh -huh. So that's what it was. Awesome. That's mm -hmm. so cool. Um, yeah, there's... I, I wanted to stop for a second because there you you pointed out on your um and and y'all can't see obviously because it's the podcast but jacket <laughs> yes you're wearing such an awesome like I just love it the and you have the patches for the 24th infantry the 25th infantry um ninth and tenth ninth and tenth I love it Thank so you. I mean hopefully hopefully they'll be able to get a picture of that and people can stop by the uh, the museum okay. and kind of check out things because I feel like it really like there's some form of as I was a Girl Scout, <laughs> okay. so uh, it's not the same thing, but I, I just, I always love my patches and I felt like, mm -hmm. you know, when you know that other people are wearing them, there's this, there's feeling of connection and, mm -hmm. and it feels like I'm looking at you and I'm, I feel like I'm looking at like history, you well, know? Thank so you. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, how about, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit, let's transition into the, the second half of the 20th century and, okay. um, 
Can you talk about what the division's roles were during the Korean War and and what led to the museum's founding? Okay. During the Korean War, uh, to back it up, they never were divisions. They were regiments. Uh, The 9th and 10th uh, Cavalry always was regiments, and divisions are much bigger. They never were regiments. They were attached to some other divisions, but they never were divisions of their own. That was not part of the Army's plan. Um, uh, The party said, you said then with the Korean War? Yeah. We'll we'll stay there. I kind of— in the Korean War, the only Buffalo soldier that saw combat in the Korean War was the uh, 24th Infantry Regiment. And uh, they were attached to the 25th Division. And not to get them confused with the 24th, uh, 25th Regiment, they are totally different organizations. Mm-hmm. And I want to emphasize that because I found out that people like to appropriate your history into their history or steal your history mm. into their history. And I saw that with the 24th and 25th, uh, they tried to do that, and I kind of corrected that yeah. real uh, quickly. But the 24th Infantry Regiment was in Japan, part of an occupying uh, force, uh, the first Buffalo soldier units to do that. And they were uh, assigned there in 19—they um, uh, left the uh, uh, the Pacific Islands. They were—, they were they served in World War II, by the way. That can go into a whole different story with that. But um, they left uh, the, the Pacific Islands. They were assigned to a Japan occupying force at a place called Camp Gifu in uh, Camp Ireland. That's where they were. And uh, they dominated sports. Buffalo soldiers, since their inceptions, had good bands. They had good sports team. I can go into a whole dissertation on that, Lordy. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, they were chosen to go to Korea with the rest of the 25th uh, Division. They landed there July the 12th. They started combat operations, and they did not stop combat operations until October the 1st, 1951. They were the last of the Buffalo Soldier units to see combat, and they were the last ones to be deactivated because integration was started in May of 1948, mm. but it was not official until late on in the years because some units just, just took some time to get troops integrated in. But while they were in Korea, they racked up an impressive record for themselves. The first ground victory was won by black troops, the 24th Infantry Regiment, at the Battle of Yechon, July the 20th, 1950. The North Koreans were some very, 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 very tough hombres. I must say that they were <laughs> tough. There were no nickel dime cracker jacks. And the 24th took on uh, uh, remnants of them. They had four, the uh, North Koreans had four elite divisions, the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. If you came up on them, you had your hands full. And the 24th took on that 6th Division. They, they were some tough guys, very tough. And um, they won the first ground victory at the Battle of uh, Yechon. And um, it was so important. It was uh, every black major newspaper carried it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, in Congress, they praised the 24th for Negro troops won the first ground victory. That's a, um, a general order that I saw I have in my possession that showed that they won, they were praising them for winning that ground victory was very important yeah. because nobody had whooped the North Koreans. They were <sighs> kicking our butts and we stopped them, those black troops. And they, were, they received a lot of praise for that. And it was such a big thing, the Battle of Yechon, when black folks in the United States heard that we had won that battle, they were going around, you know, that sense of prestige, you know, what's good? They would say like, what's going on? Oh, nothing but Yechon. That's <laughs> what they would say to one another because, you know, we had won that ground victory. It was very important. So uh, uh, later on, after they won that battle, they uh, got in a place called Battle Mountain. Uh, Son, I think it's the name of it. And it was a, it was a, it was a, Tough place, very bad place. And the 6th North Korean People's Army wanted to take the uh, the city of uh, Pusan. They wanted to take that city. That was their crowning achievement. And uh, 
The 24 was like you play chess. The 24 was blocking them every way of the, every way they went to block them from taking Pusan because the uh, the general of uh, of of the sixth division, North Korean division, he had told his master, uh, Kim Il Sung, the granddad, mm-hmm. not the son or the dad, the granddad said, I'm going to get this prize for you. But little did he know he had to take on some tough black troops to get there, and he never succeeded there because the 24th, um, from August the 1st until um, September the um, 15th, that was a 49-day combat siege. Well, September 19th was a 49-day combat siege. The 24th in the month of August, they that battle mount was so important, it exchanged hands 19 times. Mm. That's how intense the fighting was. And from... Uh, August the 1st until September the 19th, the 24th lost uh, 1,011 men wow. were killed. and But they inflicted way, way more inf- uh, casualties on the enemy. I mean, it was such a bad thing for the enemy. They were scrapping everything they could to fight against the 24th because they were putting a whooping on their behind. The brothers <laughs> were squaring off with them. And uh, so uh, it was just a big thing. They won more. And that month of August, they became one of the most decorated units in Korea. They won the first Medal of Honor for the 25th Division, August the 6th, 1950. In the month of August, they won a total of 10 Distinguished Service Crosses, which is the second highest award for valor. No other regiment in Korea had that number but them. Mm -hmm. They won a total of, I think the number was, uh, in my numbers here, 500 and uh, and, uh, a 500 casualties, I think the number was uh, kind of going back and forth there, 27 of some odd uh, 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 silver stars and about uh, 128 of bronze stars. So they were doing some serious fighting in that area and everything else. But at the end of the day, it was still in our hands. After 49 days of hard fighting, it was still in American hands. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, see, I I think that, like— these are the stories that get lost, you know, yes. and mm-hmm. uh, especially when, you know, whether it's because, um, you know, a lot of it wasn't written down or uh, maybe people didn't have kids or families to pass these stories mm-hmm. on to or, you know, with with time from this and, and living in times of peace rather than times of war, you mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, take things for granted. So, well, the main thing, too, is that um, a lot of the guys didn't write down their history and all of, a lot of this stuff was found at the National Archives. And I wouldn't, I just, you know, believe it or not, I was overseas in Afghanistan 2010, 2011, and they gave us 16 days of a furlough, and I went to the National Archives, because I'm not married, never been married, no wife, no kids, mm-hmm. and trust me, my nieces don't want me to get married. We want you to stay single, Uncle Dara, because when Christmas times come around, I give them money and jewelry, and they like that. Yeah, no, I, I am the the favorite auntie without kids. I understand the role well, and I, I think that my nieces and nephews would be a little annoyed if yeah, I decide to have kids now. Right. That brings us to the end of part one. Be sure to come back for the conclusion of our conversation with Daryl Nash about the Buffalo Soldiers Museum, available to download wherever you find your podcasts. purpose recordings created and produced by chris blunt mixed and edited by joff gibbs